Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guest by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie. Excited to have you with us this afternoon. We're going to be talking about OCD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, and how to break free from OCD, our guest today is Karen McCracken. And during the next hour, you're going to discover the functional definition of OCD, what it is and what it's not, five favorite OCD rituals that work, new ways to diminish the obsessive fears that feed compulsive behaviors, how to use your OCD to control your OCD, three ways to put the word into your daily OCD routine, how to open up a conversation about OCD with your family and friends, other godly tools to help keep OCD from controlling your life, and how to make OCD a positive thing. Our guest today is Karen McCracken. Oh, sorry, I couldn't get that out. Karen McCracken. Uh, She is a writer and inspirational speaker for women's conferences and retreats. Her desire is to be transparent, letting the light of Jesus shine through her words and her laughter, and her website is womaninspired.org. Welcome to you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, it's great to have you, and I'm excited to talk about this. We have never addressed this topic before on Marnie's Friends in all these years, and so it's a it's a. Uh, how many people does this affect uh, obsessive compulsive disorder? Well, the most recent studies that I've seen um, with the OCD Foundation and various medical places say it affects one in every twelve people, um, and some statistics are even higher because OCD is actually something that a lot of people suffer from and they don't talk about. Hmm. So what is the actual definition of it? How, if I were to say I could identify that someone has it, that I have it, whatever, how, how would I know that? OCD is uh, an anxiety disorder. That's what it's now classified as um, in the um, realm of mental health disorders. So it's, it is uh if you you really can't look at somebody and tell that they necessarily have it unless they have it to an extreme to where they can't function on a daily basis so but if you have it it is um manifests through obsessive thoughts fears images or ideas that uh, get caught in your brain and that you obsess on that you can't let go of and in order to help control those thoughts or quell those fears and that anxiety, uh, you are spurned on to do compulsions or compulsive actions, which can manifest as counting, repeating, cleaning, um, um, different kinds of ritualistic behaviors that try to help us cope with those fears and those thoughts. So that's pretty much how somebody with OCD functions. Hmm. Hmm. So um, is it true then, my understanding, just of your very short de- definition there, that when these obsessive thoughts come, 
you go into a compulsive response? Is that kind of how that works? It is. When you, as an individual, when you have um, an obsessive thought and you can't get rid of it, for an example, um, let's say you leave your house and a thought comes to your head and it's a fearful thought and you're afraid that maybe you left your curling iron on. Um, you you become so obsessed with that thought okay. and that fear that you have to go back and check. And even though you may check and make sure that the curling iron is not on, the thought will not leave you. So you have to go back and check again. And you might have to go back and check again in order to quell that thought, um, mm. in order to quell that fear. So some people, I know for myself, mm. um, if you want to speak of a, a mental uh, mental health disorder, um, it's classified, like I said, as a mental health disorder and an anxiety disorder um, that has intrusive and disturbing thoughts. And so when those come about, doing something such as counting, repeating, you you often see the image of people cleaning and washing their hands over and over again. Um, and um, in, on TV or in social media, you might see people turning the lights on and off, um, straightening things having things be what other people would consider just so um, or having to, to be a little bit perfect, those things are actual actions that kind of help us feel like we have a sense of control when we feel out of control because the obsessive thoughts won't leave. Wow, that's interesting. So what is OCD and what isn't it? Okay, OCD is not, let's start with it's, what it's not. OCD is not a choice. Um, it's it's an actual real condition. I think that some people think, um, and I've seen it. I, I it's it's often made fun of in um, in TV and movies, and sometimes you'll see it it focused on, and it's a joke in various shows. Um, but it, it's an actual real condition. It's not a choice. It's not just some desire to be clean. It's not a manifestation of a cleanliness quirk. It's not somebody who's a clean freak. And in fact, a lot of people have OCD and, and it has nothing to do with fear of germs and cleanliness. There are people who do have a fear of germs and it, it involves their OCD, but probably 50% of the people who have OCD, they have these fears that have nothing to do with germs. But that's kind of the stigma and the social idea that we have of what OCD is, is that it's all about cleanliness. In fact, um, hoarding um, and collecting things, um, and you see these shows on TV about hoarding, that is a form of OCD. So it, it's not all about cleanliness. Um, OCD is also not unmanageable. It is manageable. It's not a death sentence to having passion or joy or happiness in life. Um, but for people who are either have grown up with OCD and have not shared it or they don't know much about it, or they're stuck in it and haven't gotten any help for it, it can feel like a death sentence. It can feel like uh, like you, you will never have a real life again because you're stuck. Um, one of the first books I ever read years and years ago when I found out that I had OCD, that this thing that I'd lived with for so long and kept from people had a name, um, the first book I read was called Stuck in a Doorway. Because having that OCD, you might have to stand in one position and count until you feel safe enough to move forward or uh, turn the lights on and off a certain number of times before you can do something else because you're attempting to 
cope with what's going on in your head. So um, OCD is a real disorder. Mm. Um, It knows no socioeconomic value. People who are wealthy have it. People who are not wealthy have it. Um, It knows no race, no culture. As far as we know, it's across the board, across every country and every continent where any studies have been done. Um, Mm. So it it is an anxiety disorder. It is driven by fear. Um, the root to all OCD is an irrational fear that creates an anxiety that's just overwhelming. I mean, just an overwhelming sense of dread, um, which makes us feel completely out of control. And it's usually thoughts that make no sense. Um, I might have an, an extreme thought of, of losing someone or fear that someone I, I know and love is going to be hurt in a really bizarre way that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and um, that's what OCD is driven by. So it is something that I believe, and I've had experience with and experience working with others, I do believe that it is something that you can learn to control. Um, For some, it takes medication. For some, it takes cognitive behavioral therapy or different types of therapies. Everybody's body and brain is just a little bit different um, and how they respond to various types of therapies and medication. But it is something that you can learn to control. For me, it was kind of my own self um, uh, therapy that God showed me how to go through to in order to get a handle on this thing. Mm. I, I was not able to go to therapy at the time, and I had no idea when I was younger that there was even any medication for it or anything that you could do about it. I just thought there was no one else in the world who was like this, and there was something drastically wrong with me, which unfortunately there mm. are a lot of people, especially mm. in my age and a little older, who grew up feeling the same thing because it wasn't talked about. So um, OCD is Hmm. something that can occur with other physical and mental health diagnoses. Um, Like I have a son who's 20 years old, and he has Tourette's. He also has OCD. Um, And OCD oftentimes comes with Tourette's because there's a sense of um, not being in control. And um, reactive attachment disorder, even schizophrenia, um, it can co-occur with other things. So a lot of times it might go unnoticed or it's considered the minor um, mental health challenge, so it's not necessarily addressed. Wow. Wow. So how old were you when you finally realized, oh, my gosh, I'm not the only one with that this is happening to. This is a lot of people suffer or struggle with this, too. I was 21 years old, and I was, I was in college, and I was at home, supposed to be doing homework, and um, I was watching the Phil Donahue show. And there was a panel Mm -hmm. on there, and they showed a video clip of a boy who was standing in a room, and he could not leave the room until he flicked the lights on and off a certain number of times. And I was literally in the living room. I had just walked in with my lunch. I had a can of soda in my hand. I saw it, and I dropped my soda on the floor. I started crying. I had no idea that anybody else did that. I had no idea that it had a name, Um, and that's where I saw the book stuck in a doorway, and I got that book. Um, So that's how I discovered what I had and what it was. Um, But I do remember having rituals and thoughts and um, counting and repeating and having these issues as young as eight years old. Wow. Well, this is Marty Swepper. We're visiting today with Karen McCracken of 
womaninspired.org. We're going to take a little break and come back and talk about five favorite OCD rituals that really work. We'll be right back. Women's ministry leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marty. We're visiting today about OCD, and I've already learned quite a bit. If you're just joining us, our guest today is Karen McRacken of womaninspired.org. Karen, you have five favorite OCD rituals that you want to share with us that really better. Do you want to just launch right into that? Sure, that's great. Um, I have discovered over many, many years, of course, my OCD um, – is not nearly as bad as it used to be. I OCD used to make up 90% of my day to the point where I went almost an entire year without mm. hardly ever leaving the house unless I absolutely had to when it was at its peak and the worst um, before I really figured out, you know, God showed me a plan um, and I used scripture on how to um, really come out of this funk that I was in and this this OCD storm is what I like to call it, which I'm still susceptible to have one of those, but I've learned that uh, keeping a consistent schedule, first and foremost, for somebody who has OCD, consistency is extremely important. That just gives you this this sense of security. I think it's that way with almost anybody who has a mental health challenge. Um, I know for my son, who is adopted, he has reactive attachment disorder along with the Tourette's. Extremely important to have a consistent schedule. Um, so having a consistent schedule, and for me, using the OCD ritual um, that of having the same kind of schedule every morning, if at all possible, is important to me. It doesn't matter where I am. If I'm home, if I'm on the road traveling to somewhere to speak, um, or staying at, at a, a family member's house, if I kind of go through the same morning ritual, it gives me just a sense of peace and security um, that I need, whether it's you know getting up, setting the alarm, getting up at a consistent time of day um, each morning, having some prayer time each morning, those things help a lot. Um, cleanliness, being able to make sure that my environment is clean to a certain degree. I'm My family is just amazed because I'm completely different than I used to be. You can come into my house now and there will actually maybe be dirty dishes in the sink, and I would never tolerate that before. <laughs> Um, I can go, uh, you know, a whole week without mopping my floor. Not that I should, but I can. <laughs> and um, so, but being mm-hmm. able to just control the basic cleanliness uh, around the area that I'm in and making sure it's organized. And the reason these things are important and the reason they help somebody, whether your OCD is really bad or it's it's minimal compared to what it used to be, the reason they help is because, these little things that you can do will help keep you from being triggered. So when you're stressed out, you're really tired, you're weak, even if you're on medication or you've been in therapy and you have a handle on your OCD, you have to be aware of what your triggers are. You have to be aware of what can take you down. If you're, if I'm really exhausted um, or I've had a very stressful time, that's when the OCD will start to creep in again and I'll start 
feeling the need to control something or feeling the need to count something or clean something. Um, so making sure that these things are just kind of already done and set and making it a routine actually helps. Um, so also organization. Um, people who have OCD are often labeled as pretty much perfectionists. I mean, you might hear people, someone say, oh, well, they're, they're a perfectionist or they're anal retentive or, um, you know, they're just quirky and they're a clean freak. But using that organization to your ability to help keep triggers from happening is really important. Your memory. Mm -hmm. I do not know anyone that I have met on a personal level, and I've spoken at universities, I've spoken uh, to, to large groups, small groups, and individuals about OCD, and I know no one so far who has obsessive compulsive disorder who does not have a phenomenal memory. Um, and that memory for full conversations, memory for for great details. Somebody they can easily memorize uh, a list of things within a 10-15 minute span and spit it back out. Um, I've actually worked hard not to memorize things because I've figured out that it is <laughs> that's a trigger for me. It's a real trigger for me because I will obsess on those things over and over and over again. Um, I actually think having a phenomenal memory is a deficit in many ways for someone who has a mental health challenge because I used to pray when I was younger, when I was a teenager, oh, Lord, please help me just not to think anything. Just help me to think nothing instead of all these thoughts going over mm -hmm. and over in my head. Um, so it's a real challenge. Now, that memory, though, that phenomenal memory can be a benefit. Mm -hmm. It helped me to memorize scripture and uh, quotes and positive things that helped turn my OCD around, that helped turn my attitude around and helped give me hope. So using that memory helped a lot. Um, um, OCD isn't really any different than any, any other mental or physical disorder though. Um, I believe that it's a positive and it's a plus when it can, can be used to help other people. If you've been through it, I think as you walk in victory or you're on that journey, it's your responsibility to turn around and help somebody else through it. So if you have OCD, I believe mm -hmm. one day it will be a blessing for you and it can be a blessing for someone else that you went through it and that you're working to handle it. I believe that you can help somebody else have victory through it. So whatever struggle it is that you're in the middle of and whatever part of the journey you're on and trying to break free, I believe it will turn into a blessing. Mm. So beautiful. I think I missed one, though. That I, we had five rituals, and I had, I've got consistent schedule, the cleanliness, the organization, and the memory. What was the other one? Um, using it as a, 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 a testimony, turning your OCD into a testimony. Um, oh, using your OCD okay. to, yeah. Use yeah. it for good. Yep. Yes. Right, great, great. And, you know, you actually had some thoughts, too, about ways to diminish the obsessive fears that feed compulsive behaviors. Do you want to share those? What what happened with me was, and it might sound kind of, kind of crazy or like a no-brainer to some people, but it took me a long time to realize that fear and anxiety were the root of OCD because, of course, I was on this journey and I had no idea. I just thought something was wrong with my brain and I would never be able to get help with it. So when I would pray, I would just pray for God to stop my obsessive thoughts. 
I would pray for God to help me not to do the rituals that would they would take up so much time of my day um, and it just washed over me one time after I'd heard a sermon that I had never prayed for God to take the fear away that I knew I felt every day. So praying for the fears and the actual fears uh, that are driving each ritual or driving your day, I think praying for those and laying those down um, is really important. And the more frequent we're able to do that, the better. And I believe that God answers those prayers. It might not happen for, for someone in an instant, but it might. I know for me, once I started praying to get rid of the specific fears that were especially the irrational ones that were didn't make any sense whatsoever, it made a huge difference in my life because I was able to let them go. Um, but also in order to diminish those fears, it helped me to, as I said earlier, to memorize uh, scriptures. I took different scriptures from the Bible, some of my favorites. I looked up and researched various quotes that were positive and inspiring, um, and I would write them on little prayer cards or scripture cards or pieces of paper. And in order to help diminish my fear, when I had one of those fears or an obsessive thought come to my mind, I would grab one of those pieces of papers and I would read that scripture over and over and over again. Um, I had them on my dashboard, on my mirror, in my pants pocket, in my coat pocket, in my purse, on my desk, wherever I felt I needed to um, be able to reach one quickly, whatever environment I was in. So I had to make it a habit to grab one of those and change my thought patterns. So using the Word of God and those um, positive reinforcements, on a daily basis, that helps diminish those fears. Um, I, I hear a lot of people, Marnie, who say, well, if I had more faith, I wouldn't have so much fear. And honestly, I think that is um, yeah. ridiculous. I think it's wrong. If you look throughout the Bible and even in history in general, there isn't anyone who did anything for the Lord or anything for God who didn't also face doubt and fear. So there's no way that fear and faith are opposites of each other. I believe fear is usually driven by lies. Um, let me give you an example. My son would went through a period where he was afraid every night, and he would call me into his room because he kept saying he saw a vampire in his room. And I kept telling him, there's no vampire in your room. There isn't. So I gave him a flashlight, and I said, okay. When you think you see the vampire in the room, take the flashlight from underneath your pillow and shine the light on it so you can see that there's no vampire over there. And he was scared to do it at first, but he finally did it. And one night he called me in his room, and he had the flashlight, and I turned the light on um, in the room, and he said, I did it, I did it. And I said, what did you do? He said, I turned the flashlight on. He said, there's no vampire in here. I said, there isn't. He said, no. He said, it's my coat hanging on the back of the door. So 
that's an example to me that kind of was in order to see the truth, his irrational fear was that there was a vampire. But once he shined the light on it, he could see there was no vampire. It was a coat and he wasn't afraid after that. So for me, truth is the opposite. So once we shine the light on what the truth is, our irrational fears that we have of um, that, the curling iron is still on, um, when we shine the light on that truth and we say, okay, wait a minute, even if the curling iron was on, the truth and the reality of the situation is it has an automatic safety shutoff on it. It's not going to burn up the house. It's going to be okay. And if you went back and checked it once and you rolled it up and you put it in the drawer, it's not even plugged in. You don't have to go back and check it again. But our obsessive, fearful thoughts that are irrational don't want us to see the truth. So for, for me, truth is the opposite of fear. And in order to quell those fears, in order to diminish those fears and diminish the actions, we have to get to the to the truth that will combat the fear that we are feeling. Hmm. That's really interesting because I, I think we do often say, you know, faith is the opposite of fear. Uh, truth, that's, that's interesting. And either way, uh, either way, Jesus is the center <laughs> of shining the light exactly. on the thoughts in our lives. I was thinking about, I was thinking about though, you know, when people say you just don't have enough faith, if you have fear, you don't have enough faith, but everybody in the Bible who ever saw God or saw an angel always yes. had fear as their first response. So God, yes. God chose these blessed hearts who already loved him and knew him. And they all got just scared to death when they saw God or Jesus. Or an angel. So, I mean, it's just it's not true. true. That fear automatically equals a lack of faith. So I love how I love how you're describing this. This is so helpful. It's funny because Karen, I often say that my favorite people to hire are people who are slightly OCD. I love to hire <laughs> people who are a little bit OCD. And of course, if you get too far down, then you're kind of dysfunctional, like you were mentioning. But the thing is, you know, in like the retail business or even the restaurant business. If you're if you're very careful and you're aware of detail and you do a job well, that's so valuable. Uh, I, I, you know, I mean, it's just invaluable t- to me to have these people around me who just really are detail oriented, who have a great memory, who, you know, can put things in in a way that I would never be able to do because I just can't. I don't see it that way, and I can't. I don't have the patience to do it. I just don't have the skills. So when you think about OCD, do you see that like the, do you see the positive? Like, wow, this is an amazing gift that you have to offer the world. Cause I sure do. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's not something that I used to when I was in the, just the middle of the storms, but I can see now. And I, and when I talk to people individually who have OCD and they're suffering from it, I try to encourage them in that. And I say, Hey, look at all the amazing things that you can do and look how people lean on you. Look how people rely on you, and they know when right. they ask you to do something, it's going to get done. They know that you're going to dot every I and cross every T, and and whether they understand that your brain gives right. you no choice but to cross, to cross every T and dot every I, it doesn't matter. You've <laughs> right. benefited them, right? You've benefited them. They don't know that you're dotting each I ten times <laughs> or crossing each T three times because that's what your brain tells you to do. You're still doing it. <laughs> Um, and you, it really is. It's a blessing. There are many things now that I'm not um, stuck in OCD. Those habits are still here. The habits mm-hmm. of making sure that things are 
are done correctly, the planning, the ability to organize, those OCD tendencies are still there. And I do utilize them um, daily, absolutely. Wow. Well, that's awesome. It's interesting because just last night before we left the store, um, one of my gals who's a little OCD, she, she was out the tail. She's finishing a project and she said, now I just stay and finish. And I said, I said, we actually probably need to have you check out. And she says, can I clock out and then finish? I really need to finish. <laughs> <And Yeah. laughs> like, oh, okay, well, whatever, just finish, you know, but it's so funny. And the thing is that I do, I do so value your your ability and her ability to do a good job and to to have that drive to finish it and to do it well is so valuable. <laughs> this is Marty Swedberg. We're visiting today with Karen McCracken of WomanInspired.org. We're going to come right back and talk about how to use your OCD to, to control your OCD and three ways to put the word into your daily routine. We'll be right back. Do you ever need a guest speaker? Or maybe you're a speaker who's available to go. Check out WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world since 2002. Connecting thousands of planners with over 1,300 speakers, speakers are available to you from every state, denomination, experience level, and fee range. You simply search when you have time, anytime, day or night, and connect directly with the speakers that interest you. No middlemen, no hidden fees. It's all simple, easy, enjoyable, and online. Check it out today at WomenSpeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Womenspeakers.com. And, of course, Tara McCracken, our guest today, is a speaker over at womenspeakers.com. You want to check that out next time you need a speaker for any event. Karen, we are going to talk next about how to use OCD to control OCD, which sounds kind of weird, except that um, I know with a lot of – you know, physical dietary rules, a lot of times food is the medicine. So I can see, you know, I can see how this could be. Could, could you kind of walk us through that? Yeah, that, you know, it's interesting that you, you say that food is the medicine. I haven't thought about it in those terms before. That's kind of a new thought for me, but it's true when you have a, a as an example, my husband who has diabetes, um, the way he eats and what he eats makes a difference in his daily levels and um, and can actually help him or harm him. So it's the same thing uh, with the mental health uh, diagnoses or with the anxiety. So what you take in uh, makes a big difference. So I think that making sure that you're not overstimulated um, as far as when you have OCD, that makes a big difference. And, and we, a lot of people think that they can't control anything having to do with their OCD. The OCD is um, – basically about control and if we can control uh, our actions and control something it makes us feel better and I learned um, when I was going through some of my most difficult times and I I told you before I focused on um, the word and positive thoughts and I would put them all over the place Um, I learned that if I'm going to obsess about something I might as well obsess about something positive then so I practiced every single time I would have a fearful thought I would grab one of those scripture cards or grab something that had a positive quote on it some of my favorites are from Philippians 6 7 
Um, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, mm-hmm. with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Um, another one of my favorite is she's clothed with strength, clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. And that's from Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five. And um, mm-hmm. I I would just grab a hold of these, and instead of saying and thinking the fearful thought over and over, I would switch to reading that, even though I could memorize them very easily. And even though I knew a lot of scripture at that time that I could recite, having that physical piece of paper in front of me, um, kind of forcing me to look at it, helped me focus on it rather than the fearful thought that I might be thinking. Um, And kept me from doing that compulsion. Now it took time, but over repetition, I was able to use that. So I was able to use my OCD because then when I would start to think of something fearful, automatically those verses would start to come to my head. And then I would obsess on those verses and Mm. I would think about those verses. And the amazing thing is, is that with the word of God, even if you're just saying the words and you're not thinking about the words, somewhere they're sinking into you and they start to become second nature. So I switched from thinking obsessive thoughts to thinking godly thoughts and that made all the difference in the world for me. So using the ability, as you said, there, someone who has OCD has a lot of ability. They have a lot of uh, organization, phenomenal memory. Um, they like to, to make sure they complete things and that helped me. So once I would start reading a chapter in the Bible, I had to read the entire thing. Sometimes I would have to read it more than once. So even though my OCD and my compulsions were in there, I might have to read a scripture 10 times in order to get myself to calm down. I still did it because I figured it was better to obsess on the word of God than to obsess on frightening things and things that I knew at that point were lies and not truth. Mm. So I used the OCD to help control the OCD. And at, at after probably almost a year of doing this, and, and, and I really, <laughs> after studying afterwards about um, different behavioral therapy therapies, I realized that's kind of what I was doing with myself as I was training my OCD um, to do a different behavior, to do a different ritual. Well, that was using my OCD to help control my OCD. Um, and so that's why I say that. Wow. Were it not for the obsessive uh, ability, then I wouldn't have been able to do that. Wow. You know, it's so interesting because I don't think I don't think I have must I don't think I must have much OCD in me at all because I can't remember anything and I'm a terrible disorder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm very organized, but I'm not detail oriented at all. But um, but what's interesting is that I have kind of a similar routine though when I come into fear or I always say my, you know, my shoelaces of, of peace, uh, when I put my armor on, my shoelaces of peace come untied and I'm, I'm losing my peace over something. Um, I just kick right into Jesus, 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 right? That's my first 911, you know, Jesus, Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus. And I just say it over and over until I can get past that, you know, and then I go into, you know, he that dwells in the secret place of the most high or whatever scripture comes to my heart at that point. But this is so true that it is something that you can learn to do. I mean, you don't, you're not going to just automatically kick into it every time right away. You're going to go back to your default. And I always say, you know, we've been doing our default since we were toddlers. I mean, since you were two years old, mm-hmm. you're saying, no, me do it my way, um, you know, like that. And it takes some time to recognize that we have this Jesus, this awesome Jesus Savior to rest 
in and he's actually willing to help us and we don't have to do it ourselves. So when did you start applying that kind of thing? When did you start with the scripture and, and with that? When I was in my late 20s. Um, I had gone through, as I said earlier, I had gone through a time where I barely went out of the house for almost an entire year. I only went out when I absolutely had to because I had gotten to a point where I was stuck and I was afraid of everything. I was afraid to go anywhere. I was afraid to do anything. And I would get to where my OCD rituals would make me late to everything. I would be behind on everything because I had to count a certain number of times, touch something a certain number of times. I couldn't leave the house unless things were in a certain order. So I was stuck. So I got to the point where I was at my rock bottom, where I was exhausted and tired and I had been ill um, with other you know, physical challenges. And I was just, I was just flat on my face on the floor praying and crying out to God, you know, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And that's when he washed over me about praying to get rid of the fear when the fear came up. Um, and I do have to say um, in very, in a very short order, almost all of my fears went away. Um, there's almost nothing anymore that I'm afraid of. I'm, I mean, that's just the honest truth. It's been years, but um, and I pray every day. I, I just, I just give God all the glory and all the credit for that. Um, but I also know that he's shown me through wisdom what I need to continue to do to make sure that I don't have triggers. And when I do, how do I deal with them? I go straight back to this. I go straight back to um, the scripture, just like you were saying, Jesus, 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 the 911 call. Um, that's yeah. what I go straight back to. And I think that that's really important. When you're caught up in all of these fears, I mean, fear, which is that lie, it's hard for you to see the truth, and Jesus is truth. Um, the word is truth. So it's hard to reach beyond that. So it takes, I believe with all of my heart, it takes another person to bring another person through so that they can see Jesus Christ in you and apply it because it's not easy to get out of that place that you're stuck. And so that's where I was. It was in my late 20s, um, early 30s. Mm. Uh, just what you're sharing today is just so valuable, and I just am so excited that we get to hear it here. And you guys that are listening, share Thank this uh, podcast with your friends who struggle with this. It's just so good. Well, we've talked a little bit about memorizing scripture, but you have a couple more ways too to put the word into your daily OCD routine. Maybe go through those right now. Sure. Um, I like to start. I think that it's important to start your day out with um, reading something from the Bible. Just make that habit. I talked about earlier about making sure um, that you have a ritual, that you have a habit that makes you feel safe. And I think that from the get-go, whether it's while you're eating your cereal in the morning or your bagel or it's after you've exercised or right when you get to work or even if you pop in um, uh, something on your MP3 player that has scripture on it, making sure that you're in the Word every morning right away from the get-go. So even if it's just a small thing that you memorize, that that's key. So just making it a part of your morning ritual. I think that's number one. Um, number two is similar to what I talked about earlier, leaving yourself notes. And when you hear something valuable, whether it's in a sermon or on the radio or someone uh, you know shares something with you, write it down. 
um, writing it down helps you remember it, but it also gives you something to look at and to hold later. Um, So put it in your pocket, put it on your dashboard, leave those prayer cards everywhere that you can get them so that you're having that in your day, whether it's a a scripture or a positive quote, um, that sort of thing. And then three, I would say pray the word of God. Now, I say this because in the most difficult times when I would have what I call an OCD storm where it was just raging and it was like nothing else existed except OCD and OCD rituals and fear, I could not pray. I could not get the words out. I could not stop thinking obsessive thoughts or doing compulsive actions long enough to really pray until I was just exhausted and then I would go to sleep. So my entire day was taken up with it. And there are people who are at that point. They might even go to work and look like they're functioning. But the whole time, their brain is in distress and in anxiety. And you may not be able to to, to tell what's going on with them. Um, But when you're in the middle of all of that, um, it's very difficult to pray. It's difficult to formulate your thoughts and words, to really beseech God which is what we're supposed to be doing when we pray, to to glorify him, to thank him, and then to ask him for your needs. The other thoughts just get in the way. So what I would do is I started turning to the word, and I would just open up um, some of my favorites in Psalms, um, Romans, Ephesians, Corinthians, and I would just read out loud. It gave me something for my eyes and my brain to focus on. And I would read it out loud, and I would feel it. I would think about it. I would make whatever I read my prayer that day. So that's another way to get the word in and to get your brain and your heart and your spirit focusing on the word is especially when you're going through a bad OCD time is to just pray out loud the word of God. Hmm. Oh, beautiful. Well, we're going to take one last little break here and we're going to come back and talk about how to open up a conversation about OCD with your family and friends, plus some other godly tools to help keep OCD from controlling your life. We'll be right back. There is a huge difference between working for God and allowing God to work through us. My latest book, Flow Through Vessel, explains how to master the habit of letting God flow through our lives. When we try to do everything good for God, we quickly fail. But when we learn how to allow God to flow his life and love through us, we find strength for the day. Check out this new Bible study resource at www.marnie.com. That's www.marnie.com. Mm, flows through me. God flows through me. That is my prayer, and uh, I pray that it is your prayer as well to not try to impress God with all the wonderful things you can do for him, but rather to let him use us as a vessel to accomplish the work that he created us to do. Our guest today, Karen McCracken, is living out her mission uh, by helping people to understand God's plan and, and purposes for their lives. Her website is womaninspired.org. Karen, welcome back. We're going to talk next about how to open a couple of conversations with, about OCD with your family and friends. And what's interesting about this is, you know, I'm kind of thinking back um, back when I started dating the man who's been my husband now for 33 years, he would say things to me like, you know, are you in PMS? Um, <laughs> and I remember I get so upset, like, 
oh, don't talk to me like that's the reason for this, you know. And uh, But he could tell that something was shifting, something was changing, and that I wasn't being my, you know, normal self. But I remember being real defensive about it. I didn't want to believe mm-hmm. that I was any different, that there was anything wrong. You know, and I can imagine bringing this subject up with family and friends could be really a delicate situation. It is. It really is. And that's so funny you say that about PMS because um, I, when I get up and I, I do a little girly humor um, and I speak, I talk about PMS and how it does affect you. It, and hormones do affect your OCD, but I joke around and say that um, my family says PMS means please make it stop. So, um, but, um, the, (laughs) (laughs) but the, the OCD, um, there's so much that can affect your OCD. And a lot of times people might think, oh, well, she just has PMS or he's just, um, going through a grumpy time or maybe he has depression because depression is a big buzzword, but not a lot of people talk seriously about OCD. Again, like I said earlier, it's become a real joke in need in uh, movies and on television. Those are the people that are funny. You see a lot of memes and a lot of things on social media about, ah, ha, ha, somebody who has OCD. And some of them from an, an OCDer, a recovering OCDer, some of them are funny. I have to laugh at them. But at the same time, it's a really sensitive and serious subject. And someone surely can, just like your husband, look at somebody and know, ah, there's something up there. I'm not really sure what it is. They might label you as a clean freak. They might say other things about you, negative or positive, but not really know what the root of it is. And a lot of people just have that definition in their head that somebody who has OCD is just somebody who likes everything clean, neat, and organized. And there's so much more to it than that. There's so much more going on inside the brain of someone who has OCD. And like I said, it's generated from that fear and those lies and that anxiety that builds up. So being able to open up a discussion about it is really important. One place we don't discuss it a lot of times either is in the church. I'm hoping and helping and praying to change that um, because mental health mm-hmm. challenges need to be discussed in the church and need to be embraced uh, along with other, other issues because they are very real. But a good place to start is with your family and with your closest friends. I know for me, my whole family knew something was up. Well, I didn't even know the definition of it until I was in 20, 21 years old and in college. So um, after that, being able to deal with it myself, um, talking to others helped. But I didn't talk to a lot of people to begin with. I just talked to my immediate family. And once I was able to put a name to it and able to say, hey, this is what it is, it helped me to start that conversation. If you don't know how to start that conversation, I'd say research a book. Um, I know my book has great just um, everyday language, simple definitions, a whole list of this is what rituals are, this is typically what your average person with OCD thinks about, what they do, why they do it, what, you know, what it is, what it is not, the irrational fears, the lies, something simple. And there are actually a lot of great tools out there. Um, there's Breaking Free from OCD. There's a bunch of websites, different things that will help you maybe pull off some of those things that relate directly to your OCD that you can bring out. And if you can't verbalize it to your family, ask them if they'll read this about it so that they can understand where you're coming from. So they can understand, look, this is a real issue in my life. I need you to to help me. Maybe there isn't anything that you can do but pray for me, but 
maybe you can understand so that you don't make it worse or so that you understand when I have a trigger, this is what I'm going through. So being able to have another tool or some resources to help you with that conversation uh, is a good idea, something that will help them understand where you are and what you're going through. So I think that's really important um, to be able to do that. And, again, I think opening up to family and friends is a really good place to start. What is the name of your book? Breaking Free from OCD. And as far as I know, I've researched a lot of... Um, it's on iTunes, it's on Kindle, and if you want to order it, you can go straight to my website, womaninspired.org, and there's a link there that will take you to. You can order a soft cover version, or you can get it on the Kindle or the iTunes. The links for all of those are right on the main page. Um, and, um, awesome. you know, I think, I, think that, um, I think that it's just really important to start that conversation um, because – you need that support and, and instead of feeling like you're alone. What about the family member who is listening today and thinking, oh, my goodness, this is what my daughter or sister or aunt or whatever has is struggling with. I can see it that this is probably it. Is it ever appropriate to um, bring this up to someone? I think that it's fine, too, depending on your relationship. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, you would want to be close to someone um, in order to bring it up. If you're concerned for them, I think educating yourself first, finding something to read that you understand so you understand more about it, and coming to them in a personal manner instead of a clinical manner um, so you don't feel like um, – so the person who has OCD doesn't feel like they're being um, – put in some sort of a on the spot or put in a situation like it's some sort of intervention because the person who has OCD knows they have OCD. It's very unlikely in our culture today that someone will be standing in front of a TV and drop their soda on the floor because they just realized there's a name to what they have. Today, there's so much information and so much knowledge out there uh, about OCD. It's not all accurate, um, which is why I say educate yourself, but it's more than likely they know they have OCD. They may not realize that you know they have OCD, though, because we think we're really good at hiding it. <laughs> and we're not really that good at hiding it. <laughs> so, um, so I think just making sure that you make it in a conversational form instead of something clinical, that's really important. And make it come from a caring place. So I don't think that that's a bad thing to do at all, as long as you're going to be supportive in it. Hmm. Hmm. You wanted to share today some other godly tools that can help keep OCD from controlling your life. Can you go ahead and start into that? Sure. I think, the, of course, the Bible and scripture memorization like we, we talked about before, but I think being involved in a regular Bible study group um, would be good. Um, making sure that um, you're, you're staying in devotionals. And um, for me, I think the other thing would be worship music. Um, or whatever kind of inspirational music works for you, whether it's hymns or contemporary music. Music is something that during listening to music, and it's not this way with every person who has OCD, but I notice for me, I do not have repetitive thoughts. I do not have um, fearful thoughts when I'm listening to music or I'm singing to music. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a brain thing, I believe. I've heard of other uh, various mental health diagnoses where people um, – 
react similarly. When they're listening to music or they're singing, their thoughts are not obtrusive. Their thoughts do not interfere. Um, so I'm not really sure. It's just a phenomenal way that the brain works. So I think for a lot of people, music uh, could be a key to helping with that. Um, some other things that really help um, to help keep your OCD under control would be making sure you get proper sleep. I know that rest and resting in the Lord is very important, um, being still, but also allowing our bodies to be still. Um, and that's something that can be very difficult for somebody who has OCD. I know for me, sleeping can be very difficult, even though I don't have the same type of fearful thoughts that I used to, and I don't have to be up in the wee hours of the night doing compulsive actions. Um, I still have a difficult time sleeping because my, my brain seems to rarely ever rest and thoughts will come quickly and fast. So um, being able to find a way where you can decompress and get proper sleep because the more tired you are, the more difficult it is to control your OCD. Um, the weaker you are physically, your brain is flesh. So the weaker it is, the harder it is to control the OCD. So on the, on the flip side of that, physical activity and exercise also help. I mean, it's proven just chemically and biologically that when you exercise, your endorphin go, endorphins go up, your, your adrenaline increases, you know, and you've got that whole physical high going on. That actually helps, and so that will, will, will help you maintain. So I encourage physical activity. I think all of these things are things that God gave us as tools to be able to take care of ourselves, not just physically but mentally as well. Mm, great. So, like, I'm just curious, if, do you have, like, a bedtime routine? Uh, do you listen to music as you fall asleep, or do you have something that helps you to go to sleep? Um, I do listen to music before I go to sleep. I listen to um, um, usually classical piano music or cello music because that's what I love. But also I've found that um, before I'm going to go to sleep, if I listen to music rather than uh, something with lyrics, I don't I don't repeat things over in my head. So mm-hmm. um, oftentimes when I'm I can sing, and I'm, when I'm singing out, I don't repeat things, like I said earlier. But if I'm going to bed and I'm just listening, my husband would not appreciate it if I'm singing next to him. So I don't, <laughs> so I don't sing the songs. I always <laughs> listen to something. I always listen to something that is um, just um, instrumental, uh, and that helps me. That helps soothe me. And everybody might have something that works a little bit different for them. But I also pray before I go to bed. I, my, my ritual is usually um, I drink some water. I read for a little while, um, then I lay down, and I listen to music um, and fall asleep. Hmm. That's so great. Um, I was thinking just recently I found on YouTube, if you type in deep prayer instrumental, there's a lot of, of options there that go on for an hour that are just instrumentals, and some of them are um, like with the oboes, some of them are with saxophones, some of them are just piano, but they're just beautiful and they're just quiet like that and uh, so fun. I think too of in the Bible, you know, when the story of David and he's he's in the palace and King Saul asks him to, you know, they, they get him to play the harp, to quiet yeah. the um, thoughts that are bothering King Saul. And there's just something about music that, you know, we just know it taps into the other side of the brain and it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting how powerful it really is. It yeah. is. It's it's so been. How do you been, make OCD a yeah. positive thing? 
I think you touched on it earlier. Um, you talked about um, someone who works for you and how you see in other people um, the positive attributes that OCD can bring to you and how it can be a blessing. And I think you make it a positive thing by focusing on the positive parts of it. If you're in the middle of a real OCD struggle, that might be difficult to, for you to do at first, but I encourage people to make a list of the ways that OCD has helped you and or has helped someone else in your life because you have OCD, whether it was uh, helping a friend organize something or, or helping someone be able to move and pack things up. Perhaps your planning skills and your attention to detail has helped an event at church um, or because you were able to clean something, you were able to help. Maybe you were able to find something for someone. I know for a lot of people, I know for me, usually I can walk into a room, I can see everything, I can come back in a room 10 minutes later and tell you if somebody's moved something. Um, so, I mean, there's just various different ways that OCD can be a positive in your life. And even if you are on the other side of it and you're kind of in recovery and it doesn't really affect you as much, those habits, I'm sure, have stuck with you. So I think making a physical list and being able to remind yourself, what has it done? What has been a blessing of it? For me, I got straight A's in school because I could remember anything. Um, it would, I would study 15 minutes before a test, <laughs> right. and I wouldn't have to worry about it. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of things. Having a clean house mm. where people feel comfortable to come, um, I, think, I think there's a lot that we can look at and dissect and go, okay, as with anything that we struggle with, as with any affliction, if you will, or um, something that's been put upon us or something we've gone through, God can bring a blessing out of it. And I think that being able to sit down and make that list of what our blessings is, whether you keep a journal of, hey, I've overcome this thing, now I'm going to work on tackling this fear, now I'm going to work on tackling this fear, I think making sure that you write it down so that you can go back and have a reflection of what the positive out of it is really important. Oh, that is so great. Love it. And, of course, for those of us who have uh, friends or employees or people in ministry with us, family members who have OCD, we see it all the time. We see the good sides of it. And, um, you know, God's grace is, of course, focusing on the beauty that's there and not on the weaknesses. And in our weakness, yeah. he's made strong. So, so cool. This hour has flown by, Karen. What tremendous information. Just, just so helpful and so clearly presented. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's been a blessing. I really appreciate it. And thank you guys for being here. I encourage you to go over and check out Karen's website, womaninspired.org. There's all kinds of great stuff over there for you. And uh, Karen does have a master's in divinity, and she has spent several years as a youth and children's pastor in Kentucky, where she is also a family peer support specialist, a busy wife and mom. And once again, her website is womaninspired.org, and she's also one of our speakers over at womenspeakers.com. So be sure to follow up with her and um, ask her any questions or get her book, um, which is the same title as this program, Breaking Free from OCD, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, for all of those of you who listen around the web or to the archive, thank you. And thank you for those of you who host us on your on your uh, own web pages, putting up and if you want one of those, you can just go right over to Blog Talk Radio and just download it right from the main Marnie's Friends page there. 
You can just download the box and others can listen right on your site. All right. You have a great day and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.